welcome to my show. I'm Glenn Tendo. This week, I'm joined again by my great friend, R Hungry. We cover some updates to the Nintendo Online SNES and NES apps, and we analyze the service as a whole. Then we jump straight into the new Nintendo Direct Mini Partner Showcase. We also talk about a particular game designer who has me blocked on Twitter because I am, quote, a smash insect. So as always, we have a good show. I hate when people say that. We have a good show. Are you going to tell me ahead of time when you have a bad show? That would be actually kind of hype because then I would just not listen. Like today we kind of have a bad show. You know what, guys? I'm sorry. Dude, I actually, today, I really thought that I was losing my mind, <laughs> that I was either losing my mind or that I had already lost it and that it was too late. I went outside earlier to go out and do some stuff and I circled the block four times, I swear to you, four times trying to remember where I parked my car. <laughs> dude i was dude i was losing it like i don't know what what happened because usually usually i'm like i'll remember where or like it'll be in one of three places that i usually park right but this time it wasn't in any of the three usual spots and i sat there for a second and i'm like where did i park it like i was trying to think Less than 24 hours ago, I was in my car and I parked it somewhere. And I was just trying to remember where it was. And I Do could I even not ever have a car. <laughs> dude, I, yeah. I was like, did they tow it? Like, where could it be? And then I promise you, dude, like I sat there without moving for like five to six minutes thinking about trying to close my eyes and remember, all right, you went here and here and then you parked where? And I couldn't remember, so I walked the block four times just hitting the, the beep, hoping that I would hear the car. <laughs> and then I finally remembered where it was. And uh, yeah, I promise you that that whole endeavor probably took 45 minutes of my day. That is horrendous. 45 minutes? Yeah, man. Imagine just calling, like you're going to work. You're like, yeah, I'm going to be late. I can't find my car. Bro. Like, what do you mean? What? I don't know where I parked it. Bro. How do you not know? <laughs> you just gotta <laughs> explain it. <laughs> like, well, that's the story. <laughs> Call back to episode two. How do you not know <laughs> when Super <laughs> Mario Brothers came out? Dude, yeah. How do you not know? Dude, I I don't know. I really, like I said, I really considered this is the beginning of the end and that my mind is slipping away. All right. Because I've never had it happen this bad where I had to walk around four times. To be fair, though, I still had not had my morning coffee, and like, I was in a daze, bro. But so it, either you're crazy or a drug addict. Yeah, I mean, caffeine is 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 a hell of a drug, bro. I needed that, but yeah. So I I found my car, and I yeah, that was my workout this morning. Was forty five minutes of looking for my car. Oh my god. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah, I don't know, but yeah. So I've been losing my mind, right? What have you been playing? Because you had the day off, so you've probably been playing a lot of games. What What are you doing? Are you still playing Doom 2016 and Bayonetta? Yeah. Uh, with Bayonetta, uh, though, 
there's always a hump when when you play a, a game directed by Hideki Kamiya. You mm-hmm. know, Devil May Cry, Bayonetta, Wonderful 101, Beautiful Joe, Okami. You know that, that that's his. You know, his a uh, resume of games. You know, very one of the most famous directors in the gaming landscape. You know, it's very influential for sure. Titles. Specifically uh, with the action genre, like all those games you mentioned, have a very heavy. Besides maybe Okami, they all have a pretty heavy emphasis on like really cool action mechanics. Yeah. So, and any games you play of him, like uh, there's always a hump where you're like, "Is this even fun?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I do not understand what I'm supposed to be doing, and I don't know even know if I'm having fun. And then, like, once you get over that, you're like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, and this is the greatest thing I ever played. That's awesome. <laughs> he, he really wants you to figure it out for yourself. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's not like he's being obtuse. He's just, like, not holding your hand. Yeah, right. It's not uh, tutorialized. Right, yeah. And I remember um, I've, the only Kamiya games I've actually played are Wonderful 101, um and he did he direct beautiful joe the first one yeah okay so i that's the only kamiya game i ever beat but um the only ones i've played are the demos for um bayonetta and uh metal gear rising oh no he didn't have anything to do with that Mm-mm. uh bayonetta you're already blocked yeah already i'm already blocked, blocked. there's not much else you can do <laughs> by the way all right for anyone for anyone who doesn't know for anyone who doesn't know i am actually officially blocked in real life, by Hideki Kamiya on Twitter. And the reason for it is really stupid. But I will give a brief a brief history here of how this happened. So flashback all the way to 2015, I want to say. Um, Bayonetta had just been revealed as the final character for Smash Brothers on the Wii U, right? And anyone who knows that about Smash knows that, you know, Snake was the first third-party character ever added to Smash back with Brawl on the Wii, and he was not in the Wii U version, right? So people, he was so popular in Brawl that when they revealed Wii U, um, people were like, oh, he's probably just a secret character in the game. They're not going to give him like a reveal trailer. He's, you know, he's already been revealed as a fighter in a previous game. And then we got the game and it was revealed that he was one of the many characters who were cut from Brawl into 4. So every piece of DLC that was announced for Smash Wii U, people were like, oh, Snake is definitely going to be there. And so fast forward to like six DLC characters later, and we're on the last one, and they told us up front, like, this character that's revealed in this trailer, this is the last DLC for Smash Brothers. So it obviously wasn't Snake, and it was Bayonetta and Corrin. Um, and I was furious. I was like, <laughs> dude, I was livid, bro. Because, like, they brought back all these characters that I didn't care about, like Roy and Lucas. And then, like, now we were getting Corrin, who wasn't even from a game that was out yet. And it was yet another Fireman character. Um, and then there was Bayonetta, which was, like, apparently the character that won the poll of fan-requested characters, right? So I was thinking, like, there's no way Snake didn't win that poll. Like, I was in my mind. I'm like, there's no way. And they even said in the reveal trailer that she was the number one most requested in Europe and among the most requested in the U.S. and Japan. So to me, that was kind of like code for saying, 
you know, other characters were more requested in US and Japan. And to me, that meant Snake. So fast forward to the character is revealed and I'm on Twitter at my job. And all I'm noticing is that people are adding Hideki Kamiya about Bayonetta in Smash. And he's getting livid. Like he's responding, calling people like Smash insects. And like, <laughs> I'm tired of talking to you people from your community. Like I'm going to start blocking all the Smash idiots. And so he already kind of has an aggressive style on Twitter, right? Like just in general. Um, and so I took it upon myself to not just, idiot. yeah, to be a complete <laughs> idiot. And I, I just, just, I was just messing around. Like at the time I had like five followers. I didn't think he would even see it. And every single day for like a week straight, I would at him, Hideo Kojima and Sakurai in the same tweet. And I would write, why is Snake not in this game? Like what happened? <laughs> and I just kept saying it over and over. And then finally, Hideki Kamiya responds. The, the exact quote, right, was, why is Snake not in Smash Bros? What is your opinion? <laughs> and he, quote, retweeted it, saying, quote, these are his words, not mine. Who the fuck knows? Question mark. And then he blocked me. And to this day, I am still <laughs> blocked by our Hungry's favorite game designer of all time. Is he my favorite? He's, he's in your top three. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still blocked by Hideki Kamiya, bro. We see, again, the last episode we proved that Nintendo listens to the show. It is listening to the show. And now, Kamiya, I'm on Kamiya's radar. Because to block me, he had to acknowledge my existence, bro. <laughs> so it's like, if you really think about it, I win. And you know what? From now on, I have a little announcement. Kamiya's name is blocked from this podcast. <laughs> I'm going to censor it. I'm going to censor his name every time it comes up now. He's blocked. Okay. From now on? Or like people are going to have no idea what we're talking about? From this time. part of the conversation forward, or any variations on that name, those words, that name will not be uttered on this podcast without a beep. I promise that. All right? The first word on the ban list, on the Glintendo podcast ban list, you are banned. You are bleeped. You are blocked. I have you in witch time right now. Your brain is in witch time. I got you, bro. All right. So there's this funny picture, right? Someone like was like just replied to his. He just tweeted something out, right? And someone replied, "Please ban me. It's been my dream, right?" <laughs> and he replied with the picture he drew for himself, right? He just quickly <laughs> scribbled it, right? Uh huh. And it's like he's on his computer, and like he's just the picture of the screen, like his computer screen. Right, it's a little cartoon him. Yeah, looking at a little cartoon computer on the screen are a picture of boobs. Right, not censored. Right, <laughs> right, and then like it's, it's the next panel is just like some like huge red faced like nerd. Right, he's like, please block me. Right, <laughs> oh, I, I saw <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, he blocks him. He continues on with his life. Like that is he's so still looking funny. at the picture of boobs on his computer. That is so funny. And by the way, by the way. I feel like if if he saw my tweet, <laughs> if, if he saw my tweet, right, and he blocked me, and I also added Kojima and Sakurai on that, and this is multiple tweets, so, you know, this, this was happening like once or twice a day for like a week, okay? I was losing my mind at work, I had nothing to do, and I was new to Twitter, and I was just abusing the power. 
Okay. But the point still stands that I believe that I contributed to Snake making his return in a measurable way. Okay. A lot of you guys requested Snake. A lot of you guys were on Twitter talking about it. But I got somebody who kind of is involved with Smash, at least loosely, to acknowledge that Snake must return. And then when Snake did return in Ultimate, you'll notice that he's the only returning character in the reveal where when they when they talked about him in that subsequent uh, trailer, they Sakurai specifically said, back by popular demand. Like he was the only character, like Wolf and a bunch of the other cut characters that came back for Ultimate. Yeah. Ice Climbers, they didn't say... They didn't say that. It was like Snake's identity was this character is so highly requested. And in my in my own little way, I feel like Sakurai might have saw a couple of my tweets and I might have contributed to the legacy of Smash It might Brothers as well have been said as requested by Glenn Tendo. Yeah. <laughs> Sakurai listens to the podcast, all right? No. Um <laughs> So, all right. So you're talking. You're playing Bayonetta, right? Yeah. You went over the the uh, hump, which ugh, I'm gonna bleep that, bro. I'm gonna be bleeping this guy's name like 40 times. See, when you say hump and you bleep it out. <laughs> all right, there's a learning curve. There's a, it sounds like. It's gonna sound. <laughs> all right, Platinum Games have a learning curve. All right, when you get over the hump, that's when you start to enjoy those games. All right, now. And me personally, well, before I want to talk about the other game that I was playing. Oh my! I God. wasn't playing Doom. Okay, right? I was not playing Doom, so it was Bayonetta, and I spent an entire weekend just like bomb rushing through Ico for the first time. Like I, I oh, was so, right. I was so hooked on that game that like I just like once I started it, I just never stopped. Yeah. So you've also been playing Ico, and you went like hard playing that game. Yeah. And that game is awesome, dude. It's it's probably, I think that my favorite PS2 game ever is Metal Gear Solid 3, but Ico is probably my second favorite. Like, it caught me by surprise, and that game was framed to me as not a good game for some reason. Like, I feel like everyone um, discovered that game after they played Shadow of the Colossus. Like, Shadow of the Colossus was, like, the the game that made... It was um, a mega hit. It was huge, and then people went, oh, there's other games by this this team and they went back and, and played Ico because it wasn't popular and didn't sell well when it came out. Wow. But um, I was kind of told that a lot of people were disappointed with it because I think they came at it from like Shadow Colossus first and then they went backwards. But for me, it was like, I just started with that and I'm one of the unusual people who I really don't like Shadow Colossus, but I really like Ico. I love Ico, actually. I would replay that right now. Like, that game yeah, was most awesome. Most people like Shadow of the Colossus or both. It's very rare for someone to dust like Ico. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's a recurring theme on this show where when we talk about games that I don't, I ended up not liking or I found disappointing or whatever, I feel like I'm just saying the same thing over and over again where it's like, I think Shadow of the Colossus, the controls are objectively bad. All right, like I, objectively, I think I can make. Oh, I think I could make an argument. I think I can make the argument that even the most diehard Shadow Colossus fan would agree the controls are bad. Like it's not just an opinion; it's actually, I think, a measurable thing. And I think Ico, because it doesn't involve like climbing and a, there's there's not as much going on in terms of what they expect of you. The loose controls kind of weren't as bad, you know. Um. I can kind of agree with what you're saying, like where it's like, it's not that intense. You know, it's like, 
like uh it's not to say that a game is like brain dead easy or anything but it's not like a game where you'll be dying often and it's gonna be really hard and like you're stressing yourself out like over the and inputs doesn't the camera isn't it at a fixed perspective yes you can kind of pan it a little bit yeah in a str- actually a lot of bit but in a very strange way it's not like a traditional camera like a modern camera where you let's say you hold it right on the control on the camera stick right and it'll like spin around your character that doesn't happen in Ico. Like, exactly. Yeah. Right. So it's like an actual camera, right? And if you press up on the stick or right or the stick, right, it'll just like pan the camera upwards. So even your character will like come off the frame with with it. You know. Yeah. That kind. It kind of. I remember. Um, you know how in the N sixty four era of Zelda there were moments or certain areas where the camera was kind of in a fixed position, but it would still move a little bit. Like if you go to um, in Ocarina of Time, if you go to the Castle Town, they have the camera in the fountain and it just rotates. Like you can't you can't move it with Link. You know what yeah. I mean? So you're you're kind of it's moving to follow you, but it, that's about as much motion as it gets. I remember Ico being a little like a step above that, but not like completely. You know f- the freedom of the camera. Um, and and for me, Shadow of the Colossus, it required um, a more modern camera because you, you're exploring in a giant area. And you need to move the camera a lot. And I remember just the camera being insanely loose in that game, as, as well as the controls of the the uh, protagonist. Yeah, well, I don't want to talk about that game because I haven't played it. Wait, so you never even played it a little bit? No. Oh, I thought you played it, but you never, like, finished it. Okay. No, I never played Hell of Colossus. Okay. I never played Eco. You know, there were fresh experiences. I didn't know anything about them. And I could safely say that Eco now is one of my favorite games. Just having completed it, yeah, you know? like it's 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 worthy of all the praise that it gets, if not more so. It, yeah, definitely to me more so. It's absolutely brilliant. Also, um, you know that game, it 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 kind of represents another thing that we revisit a lot on this podcast, where the games that you and I both like, they have two things in common it's usually very gameplay is usually at the center of it and the atmosphere is usually very very strong and in that game you really get that like the gameplay is awesome and it's it's very based on um you have a companion and like it's kind of stuff that maybe you've seen in other games like there are missions in or areas of zelda games where you have a companion like in in wind waker when you have the the rito girl that flies and you have to do the dungeon with her there, but there was never a whole game that was based around that that concept. And this whole game yeah. is the buddy system, and it's it's really, it's really cool. And the atmosphere is so awesome. You have you piece it all together as you're playing it, and it's very moody but beautiful at the same time, but yeah. melancholy at the same time. And I don't know for me that that kind of vibe is like a, right up my alley. Yeah, one of the biggest things that I thought was really smart about the game is that when you first start it, right, you're just controlling Eco. There's no uh, – Yorda isn't there yet, right? Or Yorda is the name of the, the female character. Yeah. That's your companion. That you're saving, right? yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you first meet her, she's speaking a different language. Well, first of all, the, the languages that they're both speaking are non-human. They're, they're, made, they're made up language. Yeah, they're not recognizable to you either as the player. Yeah, so Eco is speaking a language that's foreign to you, but the subtitles are in English. Right. Right? But when Yorda speaks, obviously, it's, you can't recognize it either. But the subtitles are like this, like, 
pictograph hieroglyphic kind of thing mm-hmm. so you can tell that they don't understand each other by language yeah so like the like that makes her a more mysterious character but it also kind of explains why like he just leads her by the hand everywhere because he can't just like tell her go over there you know it's like a very like um small thing that like pays off like huge yeah for the game for people who don't know the the game is developed shadow of the colossus and uh eco are both developed by team eco and directed by fumito oida i think that's how you say his last name oida yeah but they're published by uh sony computer entertainment and the development studio is called team eco sie japan studio um but the reason i bring that up is because these games really feel like they are a I feel like they're they're clearly inspired by the Zelda series, but they are so different from Zelda modern Zelda games. I feel like they are a different path that Zelda could have taken as a series, and they've inspired the Zelda series a lot. Like if you yeah. Twilight Princess specifically takes a lot of aesthetics from Shadow of the Colossus and Eco. Yeah, Aonuma has stated that's like, that it's one of his favorite games and he's taken a lot of inspiration from it. Yeah, and also Breath of the Wild specifically. In some ways, you could almost say that like some aspects of Breath of the Wild, like you haven't played Shadow of the Colossus yet, but when you play it, you're going to th- see a lot of stuff that Breath of the Wild kind of built on. And yeah. Um, and yeah, so if you're a fan of Zelda and you're a Nintendo guy, I would definitely check out those two games and i'm i'm actually really excited to play the last guardian on ps4 soon because it's just again like atmosphere gameplay and like labyrinths and stuff so if you love zelda that's that's definitely something to check out the this week the switch online snes app and the nes app have both gotten an update which you know these updates have been few and far between um last week they added super mario uh all-stars which was the Super Nintendo like 16-bit version of Mario 1, 2, and 3. And this week they're adding Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy Kong's Quest. Finally, I can play this game. <laughs> I am so excited. We, we're going to talk about this game specifically. But they also adding Mario Super Picross, which is like uh, you use numbers and clues to chisel away at squares. And it's a puzzle game. Um, it was only... It was originally released for the Super Nintendo in Japan in 1995, and it never came to the States until now. So that's actually a pretty cool thing that you were getting games that you would never have played any other way. There's a game called The Peacekeepers, which is a side-scrolling beat-em-up, kind of like Streets of Rage, um, which is, it's funny, it's called The Peacekeepers. Like, I'm watching the trailer, and it's like, The Peacekeepers, and then they just show a dude punching another dude in the face. <laughs> um, firefighters fight fire. Yeah. Yeah, what, <laughs> are freedom fighters fighters fight? what are freedom fighters fight? <laughs> <laughs> and then there's an NES game uh, called SCAT, Special Cybernetic Attack Team. Dude, those old names are cringy. But it's, are it's, you bad enough to say the President of the United States? <laughs> you What's know what I'm talking from? about? It's like it's like a game called I think it was like Bad Warriors or something. Bad like dudes. That. Bad dudes might have been. Yeah. Um. So this game is like a you. It's it's like kind of like a shooter, one of those old school shooters where you're flying around and you're just you know rapidly shooting and avoiding bullets and stuff. It's pretty cool. Um. So the first thing I want to talk about is how the Japanese, um, Switch Online SNES app got different games than the American one, including. Fire Emblem, Mystery of the Emblem, which I, if I'm not mistaken is the fourth 
Fire Emblem game. And you were wrong. It's the third one? It's the third one. <laughs> okay, third. So it's the third Fire Emblem game. Uh, came out originally on the Super Nintendo. And it was remade on the DS, right? All right. <laughs> so technically, this third one is half a remake of the first one on the NES. Oh, right. And a continuation of it. So it's like a sequel and a remake, right? Right. So like kind the first strange... half is a remake and yeah. then it continues from there. Yeah. So it's a little strange case there, right? Uh-huh. And then the remake on the DS was of the NES title. Oh, okay. Okay. Wow. So hold on. So basically, there's two remakes of the original game, and this game and the DS one both remake the original game. Yeah, but and they also have like their own exclusive changes, changes right. in that. Oh my god, that's a that's a weird like remake Scenario. situation. Yeah. So how do you feel about the fact that there's different games for the Japanese uh, Nintendo Online and the American one? Normally, I'd be kind of upset. But because it's Fire Emblem, I understand why. Yeah, it's because not it was never localized, and it's a text-heavy yeah. game. Yes, yeah. Like not knowing whether it's like, uh, like if you're in an advantage or not stats-wise because of like some sort of stat you're looking at. Like that's that's the whole game. You know what I mean? You're reading the whole game. Yeah, right. right. Not even just reading what they're talking about. Like it's like like uh, just like information you need to play. Yeah, right. It'd be a disaster. Right? So I'm not really too upset about it. Yeah, but I think it is really, it, it does kind of suck because I want to play, like I've been waiting as per your recommendation to play a very specific Fire Emblem game, right? And yeah. now I'm just thinking like this game, who knows when or where or how it's going to come. When I see stuff like that, I'm like, damn, I wish they would just localize it so that we could play it here too. But I do get it. It is it is a lot harder to do than it sounds. Um, yeah. But also, you know, if you do want to play this game, one of the cool things is with, I don't know if you've done this before, but if you go on your Switch right now and you make a new user account and you just, when you're doing that account, you say you tell the system that that account is from Japan. When you go into the Switch Online app through that user profile, it will be all the Japanese games. That's interesting. Yeah. So, for example, a while ago, I forgot what game it was, but there was a game that only came out on the Japanese uh, SNES app, and I wanted to play it, and someone told me I could do it, so I tried it, and it worked. So right now, if, if you go on my Switch, you'll see, like, my user profile, and then you'll see a second one that is strictly to use the Japanese um, SNES app. And if you go on the eShop under that same user profile, you'll have access to the game's and the demos that are only in Japan. But the drawback is you have to know Japanese if you want to play Fire Emblem. Yeah. So it's like, how much do you really want to do this? I don't know. Maybe if you're at home and you're trying to teach yourself Japanese, like this would be a cool thing to do. But but yeah. Um, but yeah, so Fire Emblem. And and so we're finally getting Don Donkey Kong Country 2, right? That's another game that I really want to play, mm -hmm. that I've been waiting forever to play. Famously not on the SNES Classic, right? which is just mind-boggling. Yeah. Like, why? Why Tragedy. was it not there? Like, Chrono Trigger was not there, and I could, I'll could i let, let it slide because there's a little more complications there. But you're talking about a first-party Nintendo game that apparently is way better than the first one. There is some people who like the first one better, and I'm not going to say that. 
it's like not out of the question to like the first one better, right? But uh, over the over the years, a lot of people have come around to the right side of history <laughs> <laughs> and liking Dark Country Two better. So uh, one of the cool things about that game, right? So it's that it's a, in my opinion, a big improvement from the first one, right? Is that when you're playing it, the first one, you're like, damn, I just want to be Diddy because he's fast and he's like way better. Like you could he could platform yeah. way better than Donkey Kong can, right? That kind of has his own advantages, but in general, you wanted to be Diddy Kong, right? So they made the, you know, the kind of like risky decision of not letting you play as Donkey Kong in the next game. This is, they, they knew Diddy Kong was the fun. So instead of making Donkey Kong more fun, they just focused on the good and made the good better, right? So they focused the game on Diddy Kong and he has a new companion, Dixie, which kind of has the same speed as donkey kong did right but the new thing is that she has like a spinning kong where she kind of like hovers mm-hmm. with her ponytail right it's kind of reminiscent of donkey kong's move in smash brothers when he uses his up b right it kind of looks like that but with the ponytail instead of his arms yeah so you either have the fast character that, that like has higher jumps much faster and you know like has better momentum because of it or you have the slower character, which has kind of like a jump assist. Right. Kind of like, uh, think Mario Galaxy when you spin the the Wii remote and you get the spin attack, right? You kind of like adjust yourself midair, right? Yeah. Yeah. And now that you mentioned it, it's kind of funny because it's almost like, I'm just thinking about the original DKC and also like the, I just played Tropical Freeze recently and uh, Donkey Country Returns. And I'm just thinking there's like no advantage to being Donkey Kong. <laughs> like he's just bigger and slower and he doesn't have any jumps i mean he kind of has the ground pound effect right but like yeah why the else would thing, you want to be dk the only thing is that certain uh enemies that are like bigger like the ones with the helmets on them like those the, yeah they don't get killed by diddy kong when i jump in on them oh only Donkey okay. kong can jump on them and kill them okay so they did figure that out because i'm about to say like there are they- some advantages <laughs> like you know he's being stronger in a platformer isn't that great you know yeah right right um, but you know, how do you feel about, so I, it, now that they have this, this update, right. And like, I'm getting a game that I finally like really, really wanted on this thing. It's been making me, making me reflect more on the, on the app in general and just the whole approach. Right. So earlier we were talking about like the Wii virtual console and the Wii U and how, you know, there was, there were some, so there was problems with the Wii U one and in some, I feel like a lot of people are actually disappointed with the Nintendo Online approach where it's not the virtual console. You can't buy these games, right? You're paying for a Nintendo Online account and you're getting all these games as, an, as a perk of being an online member. It's actually kind of like Nintendo's version of Game Pass or uh, PlayStation Plus, you know? And obviously the, these games are way more coveted than the ones you would probably find on PlayStation or on on Xbox. But it's interesting because when they announced Nintendo Online, right, and this new approach and getting rid of the virtual console, this is what I thought everyone wanted. I thought that they wanted a Netflix-style um, app for all of Nintendo's old games. And once we got it, people don't seem to be as excited about that as they made it seem leading up to it. And for me personally, I don't really use the app that much. 
And I think it's because, again, like the games I really wanted are Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy Kong's Quest, or like Turtles in Time or Chrono Trigger. These are games that aren't, they aren't available. And like some, I, I'm looking for the deeper cuts. Like to satisfy me, I, I'm kind of, I need the deeper cuts because I've already played all, I played Super Metroid. I've played A Link to the Past a million times. Like for a lot of us, we already bought an NES classic, an SNES classic, and maybe even bought all those games before that on the Wii U or on the Wii or on the 3DS. So it, it's, I don't know. It's I'm, I have mixed feelings about the Nintendo Online app because on paper, this is exactly what I thought they should do. And I think it's a great idea. And it's a, definitely a great value. But then I find myself not playing it much. And I find that most people I know aren't really playing it that much. Like, what what's your take on, or how do you feel about their approach in general? Well, there's, okay. So the biggest issue is the number of titles that are on the, the platform in general, right? It is... I forgot the actual numbers, but there's like 10 times as much games on the Wii Virtual Console than the Switch Online app, right? Yeah. I don't have like the raw numbers. I just remember seeing a graph, right? And being like, wow. I mean, like- even just off the top of my head, that's 100% true because like I just looked at the app earlier today and and I was like, wow, there's really not that many games on here. So that's like one thing where it's like, okay, this is just from a game selection standpoint a direct downgrade right um the second thing is kind of what i feel like they're trying to where they were trying to rectify with the the slow dripping of like games being added Mm -hmm. right so the strategy there is has to do with the the grape jam effect so i know that sounds weird but i'm gonna explain it so they kind of had this test where they had like a, a supermarket shelf full of grape Jam, grape jam right and there was like one brand right and they found that people bought the average amount people usually buy of grape jam yeah and then they did the test again and they had like 30 different labels different brands of grape jam and the 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 sales on that on jam in general like plummeted no one wanted to buy any jam because there was too many to choose from right right so if there's too many options you got the fear of being left out. Like, oh, what if this is a bad one? I should have got the other one, right? Yeah. So what you end up doing is nothing. You know, that's kind of the problem that Netflix has sometimes where it's like, this has so many movies and so many shows to watch, but you just end up browsing the whole time, you know? Yeah, so here's the thing, right? So earlier you just said how compared to the Wii Virtual Console, the SNES and NES apps on the Nintendo Online on Switch, it's like not even close to how many it has. But- to be fair, you know, the the real issue is actually just how frequently they update it because the Wii early on didn't have all those games. They, you know, we're comparing like five years of the Wii to, you know, one and a half, two years of the Nintendo Online thing. And I think the real issue is that they're not frequently updated. So that's why it feels so barren, right? Yeah. Because the Wii, like, even though there were a lot of games that I don't, I didn't care for, like Neo Geo games or stuff like that, they were very pretty regular. Like, I remember it was like every month you'd get one or two games, and then eventually it slowed down a lot. But for a pretty consistent amount of time, you were getting like one or two games, at like pretty much like clockwork. Whereas with this, we get an update, like, it feels randomly. Like, it, it's definitely not once a month, it's definitely less than once a month, right? Yeah. And, and this is, 
you know, this is only three, four games. And it's like, the thing already feels barren. And if you're only adding three, four games every couple of months, it's not going to feel like a big selection. But then again, right? Well, what I'm saying, what I'm, what I'm trying to say was, right? Yeah. Not only do both kind of suffer from the grape jam effect, um, but with the Wii, it's like, you know that the, uh, uh, there was like a random title that you wanted to play, you could play it, right? But also when you want to spend money on something, you're also like, okay, I'll just buy this one and play that. But when it's like, okay, like you could, it's only your time that you're being spent, right? It almost mm-hmm. feels worse picking one. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're like, so you're oh, saying, man. so like, you're saying that like, it, your issue is more with the fact that it's, it's almost because you're not buying them and they're all available. It's almost an overload. Like there's no focus. Well, there's, that's, that's the problem. It's, they both have that overload, right? Yeah. But then it also doesn't update as much. So you have, they both suffer from the grape jam effect, mm-hmm. but the first one still has way more titles. Yeah. So you have like the negatives of not having enough titles and it's still being an overload. You know what I mean? Right. One of the things that's interesting is that when we talk about like game preservation, right? That's like another ongoing theme that we've been talking about, especially with like Mario All-Stars and stuff. So these are really high quality versions of these games, right? The problem is you can't buy them, but these are really high quality versions and uh, recreations of a lot of these games. And just from my own personal experience, like, yeah, you the, the borders and like the display and the HUD and stuff, there's some questionable issues with that where they don't let you change it and they, they have like a stylized thing and maybe you want just a black border. But the games themselves are really faithful and they're really good. And again, like we just said with some with like Scat and like the Peacekeepers, I never even heard of these games. So it's, it's really cool that they're offering like, hey, Donkey Kong Country 2, classic title. Everyone knows Donkey Kong. Mario Picross, a Japan exclusive, and two games that you probably never heard of, but I'm sure there's like, you know, Super Nintendo and NES enthusiasts who are really happy that those games are available in some form. Because again, like these are games that have no business, like they would, they don't have to put these on here. So the fact that they're, one of the perks of this service is like, we're getting access to games that I literally don't think anyone was talking about in the last five years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, the problem is that you can't buy them. They're part of the subscription model. I don't know. I, I don't know how to feel about the NES Online app. Like, I'm trying to have an opinion on it. And So wait, let me ask you a question. Yeah. So if you're, like, let's say you're on a car, right? So you don't have service on your Switch, right? Yeah. Can you still use that app? Yes, but here they have a little, they have a, a they have a very tricky solution there because you have to have logged on to your, you have to have played your Switch online within the last like week or so. They have like a window okay. of time where if you didn't play online, they won't allow you to access those games. So it is kind of cool because if, if you think about it, what that means is those games are downloaded to your console. They're not being streamed. You know what I mean? Because you can play them away from home. I can, I was playing, um, I was playing Mario All-Stars yesterday at the park and it was just there. Um, so every time you, you log online, uh, you play your switch online, it does like a little test in the background and confirms that there's no fraud or anything happening. And then it lets you play them. But what do you think in terms of game preservation, like this approach, you can't buy them, but you can stream them and they have a very eclectic selection. You know, I personally would want more of the hits, but if I'm looking at it from the perspective of a person who didn't buy an SNES classic 
didn't have a Wii or a Wii U virtual console, like someone who's maybe a lot younger, the fact that they paid for an online subscription app that comes with a link to the past and a portable version of Super Metroid, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. So I do think that it's better than nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Right? But in terms of preservation, it's kind of a tricky thing because let's say like the thing that you were just talking about how like if you haven't been online in a week you can't play those games a year from now let's say the world like just the internet goes down forever the most cataclysmic event yeah Yeah. in the past 20 years right it would be horrible um you still want to play your switch though (laughs) let's say that those events happen you will not have access to those games anymore. So that's really not preservation. It's kind of like a half measure, right? As opposed to actually being on your Switch forever, you know? If like, the Wii is discontinued right now, right? I can still fire up my Wii and play Castlevania and yes, yes. like right now if I wanted to. Yeah, because you purchased it and it's now that game is there forever. I remember before the Wii virtual console officially closed people made these lists of before this thing ends before they close this service make sure to buy all these games that are not available or impossible to get anywhere else because they again like to nintendo's credit even with the this app right now and even back on the wii they they put a lot of effort into making sure they got games that were pretty hard to get like uh, people definitely had access to certain really rare games or even games that didn't ever really come out like star fox 2 this snes app right now has star fox 2 it's not a great game but the fact that you never could have played it ever and then you either bought it uh you either bought a switch and now you have access to it or you bought an snes classic and you you could play it there those are the only two places for 99 percent of the population who's not willing to pirate to play those games, to play that one game. So so I guess what you're saying, you know, to break it down is like, you don't think it's the ideal solution. I don't think it's ideal either. Um, we would rather have something where you can buy them piecemeal. But at the same time, I also could see people complaining about the piecemeal approach because, again, we had this conversation last week when we were talking about Mario and how you know, the original Super Mario Brothers, how many times have some people bought that game? So if the Switch had a virtual console, would you, do you see that maybe you would have been complaining about like buying Super Mario Brothers again? Like, is it, is it, does it feel better that you can just stream it because you, or you can just, you have access to it because you have an online account? Like in some ways it feels like this is a better solution. Well, they could just have an upgrade system. I know from Wii to Wii U, you have, you could pay to upgrade your virtual console games, right? Which, in reality, you were paying to downgrade them. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, if, that if, was if, actually if, true. But um, in an ideal case, right, you'd be paying to upgrade them, right? Which I think is a much fairer price because you are playing for you are paying for Switch Online. This isn't a free service, you know. Yeah. Like I hate when people say like, "Oh, you get it for free." It's like you get it with the service. It's part of why they're making you pay. Yeah, because they didn't they didn't just, you know, emulate these games for free. It didn't cost them nothing. And if it did cost them nothing, I'm sure you'd have all the games overnight. Like it wouldn't be this drip that is like three times a year they update it. First of all, I think you should just have a free upgrade. If I bought it once, it should be good forever. You know, 
Mm-hmm. Like if, if I buy a DVD of The Big Lebowski, I'm gonna be able to play it in a DVD player <laughs> in twenty thirty years from now. Yeah, right, right. So, I mean, so here's the thing, right? So, I think um, I personally like this approach better, but that's only because I'm coming from the perspective of someone who's bought most of the games that I want from those platforms many times over, and I have access to them forever. Like I have an SNES Classic. So I know I will always be able to play Super Metroid on an SNES controller for the foreseeable future, right? Barring any uh, acts of God. (laughs) But so for me, like not being able to buy Super Metroid on my Switch, that's not really a big deal to me. I like the fact that there are all these perks, like the fact that they added online multiplayer to these old games. Yeah, that's actually really hype. That's really, again, like I, I feel like, I don't know. I think because the SNES Classic became so big and the NES Classic became so big and everybody bought them, I think that kind of threw cold water over the Switch Online app. And they also, the rollout was really poor. If you if you look back at how they rolled out the service, it wasn't there day one with the Switch. And then like it had so they had some mixed messaging on when the reveal. But I feel like those factors are the reason why people aren't more appreciative of the service because... I'm not trying to make excuses. Like, it, I think if you want a piecemeal service where you have you can buy those games and always have them, I I understand that. But the fact that they have um, some of these games with multiplayer online, like that's something that I never thought Nintendo would ever do. Like, if yeah. you told me five years ago, hey, bro, there's going to be, you know, you can play Diddy Kong, you can play Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy Kong's Quest, with two-player online co-op through this app and it's you're not paying for the game you're just paying for an online subscription it's part of that that service i would have been like there's no way nintendo's going to do something that forward thinking like retrofit old games to be multiplayer no way so in a way i think we kind of give it a bad rap but yeah i'm not saying it's a horrible thing yeah but another thing that is kind of a negative that's kind of a downgrade from the wii u right Mm -hmm. was uh, not everyone, because I, I know they have included like the, uh, or rather have it available to purchase the NES and SNES Joy-Cons. Yeah. Right? So you could play it more like the, the thrill thing, right? Yeah. But not everybody has that. You know, not everyone wants to spend the money on that either. You know what I mean? So the Wii and Wii U had the classic controller to kind of mitigate that, to kind of like emulate all of it together. Or even just using like the gamepad for the Wii U, like you can map the buttons to anything, to anything. You know? Yeah. Any button on the controller could be mapped. So even though you weren't playing with the original controller, because they weren't intending for you in the future to play this on a gamepad. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know? So they let you map out the buttons, which is, you know, it's great. I definitely like, I'm a big proponent of being able, being able to map the buttons, right? Yeah. So you can do that in every Wii U uh, virtual console game. You can't do that at all with the Switch version, you know? So that's like already another another downgrade, you know? Yeah. So, so what, what would you want, let's just say, moving forward, right? Looking towards the future to infinity and beyond, all right? What do you think they need to do to make this service like something that everyone agrees this is an insane value and it's really great and we should, you know... What do they need to do to really improve it? Because in my opinion, right, we kind of talked about this with the netcode discussion two episodes ago, where 
the Nintendo Online is kind of a meme. That Those words are a meme, right? Like people just talk about how Nintendo's Online is trash and they're still in the past. And in a lot of ways, they're right. Like they made voice chat and friend codes a very a difficult thing about adding friends and having conversations and stuff. Like you need to do it through the Switch Online app on your phone and there's no way to natively do that through your Switch. And the whole concept of a friend code, people are still, it's still kind of a meme, right? Bro, remember the We Speak? Yeah, the, oh my God. So the We Speak, for people who don't know, that um, was a peripheral for the Wii that came out with Animal Crossing City Folk. And it was, it was not a headset. It was basically a, a little dongle that you would attach to the USB port in the back of your Wii. And it was intended to sit on top of or underneath your TV. And it was trained to be a microphone that picks up sound in the whole room. And so you wouldn't have to put a headset on. You would just speak and it would pick up your sound and, and also play the sound when you would talk to another person. It was tied specifically to City Folk. So it didn't work with like Smash or with Mario Kart. It was a very strange peripheral, but, you know, that was a, a Nintendo approach to voice chat. <laughs> so going back to what we were talking about, like, how would they improve this? And we, we kind of talked about the, the you know, in the Netcode episode, how the online for a lot of their first party games is very good. Smash Brothers was aimed, it was positioned to be like the premier online experience because the Nintendo online uh, subscription service, it actually launched with Smash for the Switch. People forget, like the online was free and then they were like, online's gonna be paid when Smash comes out. So I actually get that people kind of subconsciously tie those things together and go, the online for Smash isn't great, therefore Nintendo Online is not great. And we got a lot of services like the, the cloud backup service late, they added that later and stuff. So I think it's a mixed bag and I don't know. I, I kind of feel like in a way they do kind of get a short, the short end of the stick because the, um, the value is pretty good for the price. And again, the online works really well in most of their first party games. You know what I mean? Like, what do they need to do in your mind to make this the, to make the virtual console, the, the SNES app, but also just Nintendo online in general, like not be a meme. Okay. So I don't think that it'll ever stop being a meme until, <laughs> until like one, like well, they're, they're one of their biggest titles, Smash Bros. is ever fixed, right? Even if it's in the new game, right? Two, like it just works the way that every other everyone every other gaming platform works, you know? Yeah, like, like voice chat and voice and chat parties, making party chats, yeah, all that kind of stuff, like, like. It's it's baffling for an online service to have like that, that doesn't include that, right? So in general, it's a scam that they pay you. They make they make you pay for online. And I'm not talking about Nintendo. I'm talking about Xbox and PlayStation and Nintendo. Yeah. Right? On my computer, I don't have to pay anything. Yeah. I just have to pay for my internet. You know, everyone has to pay for internet, but you're paying on their tax to pay on console, right? Yeah. So uh, you're paying for that, and their kind of way of like stealing your money is by offering you other stuff. You know what I mean? It's like if you went to a store, all right? Like you own the store, and you're selling batteries. You know, or you're a convenience store. So this dude puts two 
batteries in his pocket and pays for one. And it's like, yeah, I'm being a fair guy here, you know? Like, yeah, right, right. <laughs> like, you're still taking my stuff, you know? And it's not like, I really don't think that, like, it's, it, we're getting enough here, right? Personally, right? I, I mean, I, I have Switch Online, so I'm part of the problem, right? <laughs> but um, as far as the, um, the, the NES and SNES apps go, right? I think a better approach would to have options, right? A big thing about games is interactivity and options. So give me some options, all right? Right. So one thing they could do, right, is they could keep their little online service where you get Netflix style, everything, you know, paid for or whatever, right? You have a huge selection for a monthly cost, right? You can keep that. But you could also just buy it, you know? And then just keep that title forever. Right, yeah. And and I think their strategy was, you know, if we make this attached to the online thing, number one, the people who already bought Super Metroid seven times, they're not going to complain about us asking them to buy it again. But also, you know, people who maybe never would have played these games, like we can, we can sweeten the deal because... Nintendo's online was always free until the Switch. So I think they were thinking, we need to make sure that we offer enough value where people aren't upset that we're changing our policy from free to a price tag, right? And I'm sure that, you know, I'm sure that there's a lot of stuff that isn't free. Like for all we know, um, they have such a big audience now with the Switch that maintaining the servers and all that stuff, like maybe they need to make money off that, right? And they also are off. They're also charging you a lot less than PlayStation Plus and uh, Xbox Live. Like it yeah. actually is a lot less money. It is a lot less money, but you are getting a lot less features, right? Exactly. That's one thing, right? Yeah. Again, going back to uh, uh, computer, right? Like you, they have to maintain their servers too. You know, like League of Legends is one of the biggest games ever, right? Yeah. You think those servers are free? Right, right. No, but you didn't have to pay for the game, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. That's insane. That's such a perfect example. Right? So it dwarfs any kind of example of like, well, we need to pay for this. The thing about people don't understand servers, right? Is that a server is doesn't actually like recreate the game for them, right? No, yeah. It just takes your inputs. Inputs are a very, very small size of data, right? So like Quake 3 way back in the day had servers <laughs> you know so like the technology in that hasn't actually monumentally costed more money right like it's such a scam for you to be like yeah we just gotta pay for this man it's yeah. like but how much do you really have to pay for it you know yeah yeah and to, to sum up like i i i kind of fully agree that it definitely seems like i'm paying for something that isn't It doesn't feel like I would need to pay for this, right? And I think that when it comes to the SNES and online NES app, I think the real issue there, I actually really like their approach. And again, like I love the fact that they added online multiplayer. I think the ports, the quality of the ports themselves are really good. I think the selection of games has a a good variety and it shows that they care about offering games that are really rare and they're not just giving you Mario and like the big like the big names, I think they're they're doing a good job in terms of selection. They're doing a good job in terms of all that stuff. The problem for me with the NES and SNES app is there's a lot of big games who are still not there. 
that are very hard to get otherwise, right? So Chrono Trigger is a, a perfect example. It's one of the best games ever. It might even be the best SNES game ever. And it's not on the app yet, and it wasn't on the SNES Classic. And so there's a lot of like key games that are missing. My problem is also the the frequency of the updates. But then when it goes into the bigger question of like Nintendo Online as an overall service, I think that people are also not seeing one of the biggest things that no one talks about. I agree that they need to find a better solution to voice chat, and I agree that they need to find a better solution to friend codes, right? But one of the things people really don't understand is, and it's kind of like what you just said, you're saying that you want to see a system that is just like what we have on PlayStation or an Xbox. Party well, chat, all that stuff. I mean, well, not entirely like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, entirely. those systems could be better too, you know? Yeah, for sure, for sure. But uh, usually when people have this conversation about voice chat specifically um, and friend codes, one of the things that that is missing from the pie of people's understanding of this stuff, and again, this is not an excuse. I'm just trying to make sure we have context for our agreement or disagreement is that Nintendo has a uniquely different audience than PlayStation and Xbox. I think PlayStation and Xbox appeal to a lot of different people. I'm not saying that one those consoles are just for adults or anything like that. But Nintendo in particularly appeals to a younger demographic and especially a lot of people. It's their first game system ever. And if you're a parent, right, part of the Nintendo brand is you can buy your five-year-old this console, and you don't need to worry about them talking to strangers online who have nefarious intentions, right? So I'll, I think the reason why Nintendo's doing it the way they are, and especially if you look at the Switch Online app and having to use a, a smartphone to use voice chat, to me, the way that I looked at that was, oh, they're trying to make sure that if you're a kid, you need to ask your parent for their smartphone so that your parent knows what you're doing and who you're talking to and what games you're playing. It's almost like a built-in way for them to be involved. And again, like, uh, you know, I'm not making an excuse. I'm just kind of saying that Sony and Microsoft don't have to worry so much about their image in this department as Nintendo does. And and before, one last thing I'll, I'll say as like a, a piece of proof for that. Do you remember on the 3DS, there was a, a game called, it was an app on the, on the, on the 3DS called Swap Note. Do you remember I that? I think so. Yeah, yeah. So basically what this app was, was it was you would draw notes and send them to people on your 3DS friend list. And so you'd open your 3DS and go, oh, okay, Our Hungry sent me a drawing. And one of the cool things about it was that it would show the drawing as it was being drawn, not just like the finished product. So it had a lot of charm to it. It was really cool. It used the 3D. You can like draw certain lines to be in 3D and certain wouldn't whatever. And it was a first party, like cool little app that Nintendo put out on the 3DS, right? That service got shut down overnight, dude, in the blink of an eye, because, <laughs> because there was, it was running for like a year and a half, like two years. It was a long time before this happened. But if you look this up, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. There was a child predator who was somehow was friends with a kid on 3DS and he was sending him notes and his parents found out. And so this was a big problem in Japan. It became like a headline. And just think about it from Nintendo's perspective, right? Our business model is that we need to make sure that parents feel like Mario and Pikachu and Link are safe. 
and it's not Xbox Live where people are just throwing the N-word around all day and all this stuff. And the second a story like that comes out, even if you don't read the details, you're just like, oh, if I buy my kid a 3DS, there might be a child predator sending him drawings. Like that's the own, that's how that reads. That's the optics of that situation. So overnight, that program was completely shut down, dude. It was like, I was amazed at how fast it was shut down. I used to use it all the time. And um, yeah, so I think stories like that are part of the reason why Nintendo's taking these archaic approach, taking an archaic approach to voice chat and to friend codes because they're trying to make sure that there's no way that a headline like that gets out again. Right. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I can kind of like see where they're coming from. Like, not that's not a thing where it's like that's the only thing that's like preventing them from doing other things better. You know? Yeah. Like, why can't I invite you to my game? You know what I mean? Like, if you're on my friends list, like the whole purpose of playing online is to play together, right? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So 100%. you can't even invite someone to your game. Yeah. So like, there's still a lot of things that are just completely archaic for no reason. You know, like that. The, the chat thing, you know, I could abide by that. You know, like if that's their stance on it, you know, I could, I can agree with that. I can say if, that, if that's how you want to run your company, you know, like it, it's a sensible way to do things, you know, you know, I, I see where they're coming from and I can agree with that, but there's not, that's not, that's not an excuse for everything though. See, you know? and, and, and yeah, I'm a, I'm a hundred percent like that's my, you're, what you just said is exactly how I feel where. You know, I'm providing context. I'm not here to make an excuse for anything. I personally find that the the they made some strides with the switch. Like the fact that you can use your Twitter to add friends, you link your Twitter or Facebook account, and all of a sudden it shows you everyone you're friends with on Twitter. You can add them through your switch. Anyone who also linked their switch. I couldn't believe that they did that because again, the the meme is that Nintendo's really behind with this stuff. So it's so weird that they're they they made the right choice with so many areas. And then, like you said, it, you know, there's stuff that you can't do. And the the child predator example that I gave, it doesn't cover them on that, you know? I think if, if you look at the We Speak thing that you brought up, it's hilarious because that's also how I interpreted that was if you're a kid playing Animal Crossing, you, you, everyone in the living room could hear who you're talking to. So they were like, we're trying to make sure that you can't have a private conversation on this thing, but then it, it messes. It, you know, it's it's a it's a problem for people like me and you who really just want to talk to each other while we play. You know. Yeah. And and one last thing on this topic, you know, uh, there are actually they need to solve this problem. They they I think they need to figure this out, and I think that's going to be a big thing for like the future because some of their it's really affecting a lot of their first party games. So for example. I personally am one of the many people who stopped playing Splatoon 2 because when you get to a certain skill level of, of, of that game, you need to coordinate with your team. And there's no way to do that on the Switch. Like I'm doing matchmaking and I'm like S rank at everything and I can't talk to anybody. And so there's no coordination. And we just, when you lose because of that, it turns you off from the entire game. So like the Switch is positioned to be more of an esports console than any of the other Nintendo systems. Like even in the Switch reveal trailer, they show them like in a stadium playing Splatoon 2 and like Smash Brothers, they're really focusing on the esports side of things. But you can't continue down that esports path without fixing the voice chat issue. 
So I don't know how they're going to they're gonna jump that hurdle, how they're going to jump over like the child predator hurdle, appealing to a younger audience, but also appeasing people like me and you who just want to talk to each other when we play Smash and invite each other to room without it being archaic. I don't know how they're going to do it, but they have to figure that out. Yeah, especially they're making you pay for it, you know? Yeah, especially because they're making us pay for it. Yeah, like if it's like if it's like free, you're like, well, it sucks, but I'm not paying for it. So yeah, uh, you know, I, I can't really complain that much. I, I still complain, but it's like, like no, now I'm paying you, so I want the service to be better. And yeah. to to end on this that topic, I will say that the, recently, um, the, there was some talk from. Nintendo specifically, they gave like a statement in in an investor meeting where they said one of their big uh, plans moving forward is to improve the mem- the online membership quality and features and all that stuff. So we don't know if that means chat specifically, but at least we know they 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 said specifically they want to um, they want to improve the overall service. So that's at least something, right? Yeah. Um. So the big news this week is the Direct Mini Partner Showcase, which now these are pretty frequent. We had one in in August, and now we have another one for September. And it's interesting because they said there's more coming for, for the rest of the year too. Like, if you, did you notice that in the thing? Yeah, the they did say that. Yeah, so um, first of all, like, what do you think about just generally this new approach that they have where basically this year, the the way that they've changed their structure for news completely, we just get direct minis and then we get the first party Nintendo announcements are all just randomly dropped on Twitter. Like in a way, I think it's working for them. I think that there's been a lot less backlash than maybe some of the previous directs where you don't get a Smash character or like a Breath of the Wild announcement. Um, what do you think about like the new approach in general? Well, I think that it... Uh fixes kind of an issue of expectations yeah right so like then when it was like all right 45 minute direct coming next week right you're like oh snap gotta <laughs> run home cancel all my appointments you know call to work uh yeah. skip school whatever blah, blah blah i gotta go pray on my metroid altar yeah and make right? my wishes <laughs> yeah do my samus do rosary like rain dance you know like yeah, my metroid <laughs> rain dance right so like like when when those things don't come out in this huge forty five minute direct, it just sounds like they don't care about what you love, right? Right. So when it's like, hey, here's a partner showcase, it's like this is none of our stuff, and like, it's it's, it's entirely just f- for information, you know? It's like, like we're not setting you up for failure here. You know? What's funny is that they call these direct minis partner showcase. So mini implies. There's a non-mini that's still alive, but we haven't had one all year. So it's going to be interesting to see, like, do they just, you know, I, I well, just wonder the, the, when we're going to get a proper, like, just is just Nintendo Direct. They, I think it's probably going to be when they're sure that they can show you Metroid Prime 4 and they can show you Breath of the Wild 2. Like, that's probably, it's probably going to be when they know that there's no way to fa- to fail the expectations. The Super Mario 35th anniversary was that just called the Mini Direct 2 though? It was just called a Mario Direct. Yeah, so technically they have done a direct. So they might just be doing these focused directs from now on instead of having these like general directs. Oh, so okay, yeah. When eventually comes time for Breath of the Wild 2 or Metroid Prime 4, it might be just be 
the Metroid Prime 4 direct and it'll be 15 20 minutes oh just talking about God. the game you know? I can't I can't wait dude if they say that if they're like this is a Metroid Prime 4 direct yeah I'm going to explode yeah. Just so, the fact that it's finally I can see this game and it's going to be a direct about that, that would be amazing. Because they've done it for Smash already. They've done like 40 minutes Smash Bros. Direct. You know? They literally did it today with a Monster Hunter Direct. After the mini direct, they had like a 15-minute just detailing the games further. But let, let's actually jump into that. So we'll save Monster Hunter for last, but we'll run through what they announced today. Um Fitness Boxing 2, Rhythm and Exercise, comes to Switch on December 4th. Now, quick detour. Sakurai, they just had a column this week. Masahiro Sakurai, creator of Smash Brothers and Kirby. He does a weekly column in Famitsu. And he talks a lot about his exercise routine and how he like finds ways of doing exercise in between um, other tasks just to kind of fit his schedule. So he plays games while he's on an exercise bike and he like lifts weights while he's playing like mobile games and stuff. So, you know, he talks about... Um, Ring Fit? Ring Fit, yeah. So he talks a lot about Ring Fit Adventure and other fitness games. So I don't know. He talks about how he likes fitness games. So maybe Sakurai's going to play fitness boxing too, rhythm and exercise. They also announced Disgaea 6 with Defiance of Destiny. Um, it's due out exclusively on Switch, summer 2021. 20, um, Disgaea 5 Complete will be available to play in full for Switch Online members. Oh, okay. We're talking about Switch Online and they're just... They're, they've been doing this a lot recently where there, there, there are games now that are coming exclusively to Switch Online, and that's coming September 23rd. So what does um, that have you mean played? exactly? So it means that if you're an, a, a, a Switch Online member, right, you have an online account, you have access to this game, the entire game. You can play the whole thing for free. Oh, that's pretty sick. Yeah. Um, have you played any of the Disgaea games? No, I've had the opportunity to, and I just kind of evaded me. But... Um... It does look like a game that I would enjoy. I'm not sure I would love it or anything, but yeah. especially this newer game where it's like... You're a zombie? No, no. It's like you can do quadrillions of damage. You know, oh, like it's yeah. just like super silly. Yeah, like, yo, yeah. I'm good for that. You know what I mean? It, it, it's like an RPG and has very... It has a lot of personality. I could I could say that about it. it. It looks cool. Those games are cool. The character designs are usually pretty fun, colorful and whatever. Um so there was a new trailer for Empire of Sin, which is which is uh, coming out December first. That is uh, another game that looks like a mobile game. Yeah, dude, that game I've seen it a couple times now, and I'm like, this is in a Nintendo Direct. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. It it, it doesn't look like a bad game per se, but it's just the aesthetic is so opposite of what you usually see for games because it's like based off of an old style Chicago like early 1900s shooter. You know what I mean? So it's it's very it's a very strange game in terms of aesthetics. It's like Al Capone is in it and stuff. Yeah, um, like not even like someone who's supposed to be Al Capone. It's just like Al Capone. You it's know? actually Al Capone. Yeah, so it's like a mobster classic type of style and stuff. I, I can't. I don't really get what the gameplay genre is yet. It looks kind of like a strategy game. Um, but yeah, that game looks interesting. Uh, Sniper Elite Four heads yeah. to Switch. This holiday still doesn't have a date. There's a game called The Long Dark. It arrives later today. Which I heard was pretty good. I heard the game was actually pretty good. Is that an indie game? Yeah, it's an indie game survival kind of thing. Like, you know, survival's kind of been like a popular trend with indie games in general. But I heard that one specifically is kind of hardcore. Okay, cool. So I heard uh, positive things about that one. 
Um, PGA Tour 2K 221 gets a physical release on September 25th. There's a game called Hades that they showed, yeah, and it's, it's a, a roguelike. Yeah. So, so anyone doesn't know Jupiter Giants, they are behind Bastion and Transistor. Yes. So Super Giant made Transistor and Bastion. Both of those games are on Switch. Yeah, and I haven't played Transistor yet, but Bastion was a good game. I really enjoyed it. Um, it's definitely for at least for the the narrator. Like it's a he's got like a great voice, and it just kind of makes the game a lot more fun, you know. Right, and also that this is another game that launches today. I, I love when you're watching a direct and they're like, "This is out right now." Like as you're watching this, you yeah. just found out what this is. It's all right now. Um, the other game that they showed was Balan Wonderworld, which comes out March 26, twenty twenty one. And the interesting thing about this game is that it's created by the creator of Sonic, Yuji Naka. Yeah. Um, and I, I wanted to ask you what you think about this game at a glance because it's this is kind of a rare thing that's starting to become more common where there was 3D platform. It's a 3D platformer, and we love 3D platformers, like especially if you're from the N64 era of Nintendo, you love 3D platformers. So yeah. I'm wondering if you're excited about this game, if it looks cool to you. Like it's so, very power-up driven and stuff. The first thing I want to talk about this game is that the main character you play as has sonic proportions. And that really bothers me. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Dude, he's got like these big hands and like, <laughs> like thin like arms. Yeah. Like, dude, he's just sonic. Like he has like kind of a spiky hair too. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I can't get out of my head. It's just, that like, is kind of weird. Sonic. Yeah. Right? So the game itself does look kind of weird for now. The movement doesn't look very fluid for like a 3D platformer. It looks a little stiff. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, 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 I'm like optimistic about it. You know, like the art is creative, you know. Now that you mentioned the sonic proportions, it, it, the, the character kind of does look like he's from the universe of like Billy Hatcher and like that whole thing too. You know, that's another uh, Yuji Naka like Sega game from back on the GameCube 3D platformer. Like doesn't this game kind of look like it's that same universe? Yeah, a little bit. It, it, look, it looks like he made it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it looks like a Yuji Naka game. So another game that was announced was Rune Factory 5, which is coming yeah. to Switch in 2021. Do you have a Rune Factory experience? Not I just know that it's like Personally, a, but I know it's very Harvest Moon-like. It's like an RPG fused with Harvest Moon. Yeah. yeah. So those are not my kind of games. Those like life simulators, you know? Yeah. Where it's like, you got to go to work and yeah. get food and get married and have a kid and yeah. you know like get a house decorations like those aren't my type of games i'm not a loser i mean i'm not <laughs> the kind of guy who play those kind of games yeah so <laughs> i don't have any experience with that franchise like it's it's definitely not for me either but i do like a lot of that the stuff that you described like i like animal crossing and um bunch of other games that have those kind of elements but i've just never been into rune factory specifically is um, it the anime yeah, I'm not a big fan of the aesthetic, if I'm going to be honest. Like with us, when it's an RPG or anything that's like an RPG, I feel like the world is so important for the experience, more so than in other games, where if the aesthetic is not unique or interesting to me, I'm not going to want to play a slow-paced, story-driven or world-driven experience, especially if I'm going to be doing things that I've done a million times, like level up and like all the tropes of an RPG. So... If, if the aesthetic was way cooler, I would probably be more into it. Um, and speaking of, like, interesting aesthetics, uh, the another game, the last game that they showed at this 
partnered direct at this direct mini was Ori and the Will of the Wisps, which is the sequel to Ori and the Blind Forest. The original's already on the Switch, and it's out now. Uh, Ori, for those who don't know, is a Metroid-like side-scrolling platformer. Um, it came out on the Xbox One originally this past March. And the the interesting thing about this game is that this is a Microsoft Studios game. It's, it's developed by Moon Studios, but it's published by Microsoft. And this is tech, it's a Microsoft exclusive property and it's coming to Switch. So now that makes it Minecraft, Ori, and this game, the Ori sequel, are all on Switch and they are Microsoft first party games. So I'm going to clear the air a little bit. Yeah. Um, most people might not realize this, but Microsoft and Nintendo are on good terms and buddy, they don't buddy. see each other as competition. Yeah. They're like, we just need to worry about Sony because they're crazy. They're crazy and they want everybody's pie. You know, they can't <laughs> just have their own pie. They want everybody's pie. To be fair, you know, Nintendo's audience is not, it's it's really not Microsoft's audience for the most part. Like Microsoft's audience and Sony's audience, th- there's a way bigger overlap there in terms of if you look at the games that sell the most on those platforms, right? Like GTA and Call of Duty and like those, that's a, a similar, you know, pool of people. They're not really appealing to the people who buy Smash Brothers or like anime RPGs and, and Fire Emblem and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying with the pie. It makes sense. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Like Nintendo and Microsoft are completely different worlds and they acknowledge that. And because of that, they're friends with each other, you know? Yeah. But like if you look at Ori in the Blind Forest, right? That game is on Windows. It's on Xbox One and Nintendo Switch. Yeah. It's not on PlayStation. What do you think about this game? Because I actually think, dude, this is interesting because this is not an Xbox 360 game. This is an Xbox One game, and it yeah. looks really great on the Switch. Like, this is a really impressive port. But it's not uh, Xbox One, like, super high graphic fidelity yeah. game, right? It's not, again, it's although, not a Halo, right? Although it is, it is definitely a very pretty game. Like, everyone who looks at this game, that's one of the first things you notice is, like, this is a very pretty game. Yeah, so I'm not knocking the game's aesthetic or even the art or even the fidelity of the game. It's just like the computational power that is required is what I'm saying, you know? Yeah, right. So that is kind of like the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm not so surprised that this game is on Switch. Yeah. Right? I mean, I'm kind of happy that this game is getting exposure because I know that it's very good. I haven't played it, but like I know people that I respect really like it you know and this is also just perfect for like the switch audience in general you know we don't have a metroid game and so all these metroid like games are doing really well on the switch um the, the here's a the, the here's what what i thought though the second that i saw this game right and it's out now it's a microsoft published game the first thing i thought especially because we've been talking about mario 3d all-stars where is rare replay dude <laughs> If there's any game that belongs on a Nintendo platform from Microsoft, it's Rare Replay. Yep. Dude, that is that collection needs to come to the Switch. It like absolutely needs to come to the Switch. Banjo Kazooie, Banjo Kazooie, Banjo Tooie, all these other rare games. Conquer's Bad are, Fur Day, Perfect yes. Dark. These are all games that began on the N64 or on other Nintendo platforms. And it's like, they belong, dude, send them home, bro. 
All right? Send them home. So the direct began with, we saved it for last because I think it's the biggest topic, but the, the direct began with uh, the review of two big Monster Hunter games that are coming exclusively to Switch, right? So we have Monster Hunter Rise and Monster Hunter Stories 2, right? Um, Monster Hunter Rise is coming out March 26th, 2021, and Monster Hunter Stories is coming out summer 2021. So, um, dude, this this game looks really good. The Monster Hunter Rise game looks really, really good. Dude, at first when I was watching the Direct this morning, uh, you know how there have been those rumors that we've spoken about about like a new Switch and like an yeah. updated Switch? I was watching the trailer and I'm like, this is not a Switch game. This looks a little better than a Switch game. Is this from like... A new updated Switch. Uh, they showed the box art and everything later, and it's it's definitely a standard Switch game. But this game looks really, really pretty, and it looks really cool. Like the the they added a companion that's a dog that you can ride, and it's it's like it speeds up the game a lot. They um they added a grappling hook, and they added. Okay, this... so I want to clarify that real quick. Yeah. So Monster Hunter World does have like this grappling hook sort of thing. Right, but it's very tied to like objects in the world, right? Like a, a vine or something, you know? Because a big complaint about Monster Hunter World, right, was that there was a lot of uneven terrain. So yeah. the Monster Hunter series in general has always been very flat, right? Like in terms of like the ground that you're walking on, right? So a lot of people were like, well, I don't like the verticality of the newer game, right? Even though Monster Hunter World was the biggest Capcom game ever, right? Yeah. It sold it was it sold 15.5 million copies and it became the biggest game in Capcom's history. Yeah. Yeah. But I think this is a little bit of a response to that where it's like all right, um we kind of do want to focus more on the verticality, but we understand that's not what you want entirely, so we're going to make this even more fun. So, we're going to have the dogs to speed up uh ground movement and we're going to have this grappling hook thing right the stick bugs or whatever yeah. you want to call it right and we're gonna make, make them move anywhere you know like we don't have there's no vine or branch yeah. you have to stick it on to it, right? it, it was clearly um as i was watching it i was like oh this is a little bit it seems inspired by breath of the wild because it looked like you can go anywhere like it really looked like you can climb anything and they just yeah. kept showing the guy grappling hooking all over the place yeah, so like it's like you're grappling into the air, right? It's like yeah. it's like if you're Spider-Man with no limitations. <laughs> there's there's actually nothing, no object for the bug to stick to, and it still lets you do it, which is really cool. Yeah, so it it's just it's a cool little thing where it's like oh, it's a bug, you know? It's like a part of like the lore too, you know? So like it's a very uh a, um cool solution to that problem, and it it looks like it makes the game a lot more fun to play. Like, yeah, look, the combat was the big thing, right? So they showed how you can even use it to, like, attack and fix, like, it, how you can move around enemies and attack enemies now while also grappling above them and, and moving. It looked really cool. Yeah, so, like, like in the trailer, like, he, like, dodges a move with the bug and then, like, he slams down with his sword while his dog's attacking, too, or something. Like, like it, it looks like a really fun new addition. The only yeah. contentious thing for this thing is that it is a Switch exclusive, right? Yes, yes. Monster Hunter World, you know, I released basically on everything, on everything except, except the Switch. Yeah. So uh, traditionally, the Monster Hunter games, they started on PlayStation 2, 
but they were very big on you know the the Nintendo family games like the 3DS um even on the Wii it was pretty popular right yeah right i was actually about to say how this series so this is a big deal like the reason why th- this this game is a big big deal is because this game is finally a very popular game everywhere. So it started off on the PS2 in 2004, and even you know, 10 years later in 2014, it was still not a big game here in the West. Like one of the biggest things I remember hearing when when people would talk about Monster Hunter is how it's very popular in Japan, but it's not very popular in the West. And a lot of people talked about how it was popular in Japan primarily because of how handhelds were always much more of a thing in Japan and Monster Hunter was really big on the PSP. And then at some point with the success of the 3DS and the failure of the Vita, the series kind of jumped ship over to the to the Nintendo family. And it's it's interesting how it was it was like a system seller for the PSP back in the day. It was synonymous with with PlayStation. And now it's synonymous with Nintendo to the point where it has its own direct and amiibos and it really feels like Nintendo was trying to make sure that you understand this is almost like a, we're giving this the treatment we would give our own first party games. That's how big this series is now and how specifically big it is now for Nintendo specifically. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, over time, Monster Hunter World, as you pointed out, it's the biggest game Capcom ever made ever. And it finally, that was the moment where people were like, Monster Hunter is finally big everywhere. Yeah. So I remember when I was growing up, I wanted to get my friends into Monster Hunter because I, I I played the games a little bit, right? But I never had a friend group to play them with. And I know them because some of them listen to the podcast, right? So <laughs> me mentioning it now kind of like ruffles some feathers. <laughs> they played a lot now and I don't. <laughs> right? So it's like it's like that's like a crazy shift to me because I, I was this was the Wii U era because I had I had the Monster Hunter try uh, on the Wii U, and I'm like, oh, it, we should all get this, but they didn't have Nintendo consoles, right? I was only yeah. on the Wii U, right? And I was like, this game was cool. Like I played like about like an hour or two of it, which in Monster Hunter terms is basically nothing, right? But I was already enjoying myself, right? So like, I remember like the thing that really wanted me to get into it, right, was like there was like this boss monster that I was hunting, right, and like it kept running away from me, right? Like mm-hmm. when I, it's his health down. And like every time I taste him, he would go back to like this little spot where you would eat this food, right? Like his like habitat. So the next time I went to go fight him, I laid a trap by the food area, right? Before I confronted him. So like I started smacking him around and he ran away from me again and he ran straight into my trap. And I'm like, all right, this game's awesome. Like, like yeah, that's power. That was like really cool, you know? Yeah, for people that that maybe aren't familiar with Monster Hunter, it's it's almost like a game that is almost all boss battles, and it's very it's very much just focused on the combat, and it's centered around you hunting down monsters in a big map, and usually you have like one really big one that you're looking for, and you beat the, the you beat him down, and then you can like harvest his body parts for armor and for weapons and stuff, and it's a very fun game. Like I remember. Uh, my cousin's been trying to get me to play this game forever. And my problem, again, recurring theme in this show, I played the demo on the Wii. I played the uh, demos on the 3- 3DS. And 
With the 3DS and the Wii, they had a similar issue where they didn't have a separate joystick for the camera. And so the controls for the game were always very painful for me. Like it was not an elegant solution to have a 3DS and have you move the camera through the touchscreen and you move your character with the joystick. So this game has always had like issues that I didn't like. And I didn't like that there were so many load times like you... The, the areas would be sectioned off and you'd see the whole map, but you didn't have access to the entire map at the whole, the entire time. Um, so that being said, I've actually always really wanted to like Monster Hunter, you know, because it, it seems like something I'd really love. It reminds me kind of like of the old days where I played Fantasy Star Online on the GameCube and like you'd get your friends together and it's like four of you taking on a giant enemy at once. And I could see myself really liking this game. This specific installment looks like the one that I'm going to jump into. I think I'm actually just going to really commit to this one because it looks like they fixed all the issues I've had with the previous games where they say in the in the trailer how it's one big area. There's no sectioned off load screens anymore. Um, the fact that you have the freedom to climb so many things and makes the game a lot less flat and linear, that looks like it'll fix that problem for me. And now that it's on the Switch and you know you have two joysticks and I don't have to buy like that weird Frankenstein dongle for my 3DS that added the second joystick. Um, It looks like, it looks like this is the one where I know that a lot of people are going to have it because switch is popular. Unlike the Wii U and the Wii towards the end of its life cycle. And two, it has the buttons that it needs and it looks great. Like, were you as impressed as I was about how it looked? No. Wow. (laughs) Dude, I, I don't know if it's because I'm just like, Maybe my expectations are low for Switch games, but I re- like I really thought it looked up really great, and I was surprised that this was just a Switch game. So um, there is a reason why it looks pretty good. Well, uh, that's to your eyes why it looks pretty good. Um, the rumor is that this is actually the Resident Evil engine, like the Resident Evil Seven engine, but like compromised. What? Oh my god, that's so weird, right? And the other games that run on that, you know, like Resident Evil Seven, Resident Evil Two. Devil May Cry 5, you know, like all gorgeous games, right? High fidelity, gorgeous games. So like, oh, dude, like that's not going to run on a Switch. Like this is just a BS rumor. Like get out of here with that, right? But um, I, I think that like, <laughs> now nah, it's going to sound really disparaging, <laughs> but uh, that some of the textures look kind of not great in that, right? And that might be part of that compromise. Someone posted a picture, right, where he's climbing the mountain, right? And he's like, and the caption is featuring N64 mountains. Because <laughs> it just looks like really polygonal, right? Yeah. And I'm, I just I found that really funny. Here's what I thought. I thought the reason it looked so good is because they, so first of all, Monster Hunter, the series has always been known for pulling off like insanely graphical feats on the platform that it's on. Like, if you look at the Wii version of Monster Hunter, it looks really, really good for a Wii game. And the 3DS, same thing. They always find a way to, like, push the limits of the system and do something really impressive with it with in terms of, like, draw distances and giant landmasses and stuff. So this is very much in a continuation of that, right? But I thought that the reason why this one looked really good was because when I saw the trailer again, I'm like, oh, if you really pay attention to everything... The environments are very low poly, poly, 
they're very, very simple environments, but the textures are very, very like rich. So if you look at the mountain, the mountain is very basic in terms of how many polygons they use to make it, but the textures make it look more detailed than it than it actually is. Um, and on top of that, I think that the anima- the animations for the enemies, like the enemies are the centerpiece of Monster Hunter, right? So the monsters are like, they're almost the main characters of the series to the point where Raffalos is a character in Smash as a boss, but there's no Monster Hunter character, you know? Like it's almost like he's the main character of the series. Um, but the, the monsters look amazing and the, the way they animate the fights and the moves and now they have monsters that fight each other for the first time, I think, in the series. It's insane how how amazing the animation is and how good the textures are. I'm not saying it looks terrible, right? But I'm still like 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 the last Monster Hunter game I played was Monster Hunter World, which is like leagues apart. No, yeah, that game that game for for people who haven't seen that game, go look at that game. It looks insane. It's a, it's one of the most beautiful games I've ever seen. Right. So like yeah. So that's kind of like what I'm where I'm coming from. Where it's like just because I'm not impressed doesn't mean that I don't like. Doesn't mean it looks, looks. bad. Yeah. Yeah. And, but you know what the thing is? So this is such a big deal because like we just said, right? Monster Hunter World is the biggest Capcom game ever, which is crazy because Capcom, to me, outside of Nintendo, in the history of video games, Capcom is like the best game developer ever in terms of the, the games that they've made. Outside of Nintendo, Capcom has made the most legendary game series and like consistently good characters and they're, they're great, right? So the fact that their biggest game ever is only 15 million copies sold is kind of mind-boggling to me because like that's a 3ds mario kart that's not even the biggest mario kart that's like one mario kart you know what i mean so but the the point i was going to make was for this to be a switch exclusive game after the success of monster hunter world so they basically went hey let's leave the nintendo family of of consoles they had they sold millions of copies of, of Monster Hunter on the 3DS, right? And then they they go and make Monster Hunter World on every platform but Nintendo platforms, and it's the biggest game they've ever made. And then their follow-up to that is we're gonna make an exclusive Switch Monster Hunter. So I think the the what you could tell me what you think about that, but what I took from that was um a lot of people consider Monster Hunter World as good as it is. It is a departure from the mainline series in some ways because people talk about how in order to make it such a big success, Capcom did dumb down a lot of the 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 core elements of what a traditional Monster Hunter game is. So it feels like this one, Monster Hunter Rise, it's more in line with the traditional Monster Hunter and they, they're not sacrificing the complexities. Whereas Monster Hunter World is probably, they're probably going to make a Monster Hunter World 2 and it's probably going to continue with that more broad appeal, because like Monster Hunter is not that easy of a of a. It's not that accessible. Like if you if you're not a gamer, it can be pretty difficult. Like even for me, as I said earlier, the camera controls and some of the limitations of the hardware that it was on before made it hard for me to even play. Like I'm attacking an enemy and then I got to roll, but I also got to move the camera, but I also got to do this. Like I think. Um, well, I think that's thing, what I'm I'm looking at in terms of the future. Well, like, another thing is that Monster Hunter games are particularly difficult to start. Like again, you know, like what I was talking about earlier with the <laughs> hump. Like yeah. Monster Hunter has a hump, <laughs> um, so it, it's like you have to figure out how to play the game first, and then you enjoy it. You know, and there is a big learning curve. You know, even for me, like I'm sure you probably have the same experience where 
We both play a lot of games. I played games in every genre. I play modern games, old games, whatever. When I played Monster Hunter, I'm like, dude, I really do not understand what any of these menus mean. It's a lot to take in at once. And Monster yeah. Hunter World made that very different. They they actually made a conscious effort to make it easier for new people. It's just funny because you'd think it'd be the opposite, right? You'd think that like the Nintendo exclusive version would be the more accessible one. And that the 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 ones on the other platforms are the ones that are more complex and for like the hardcore, you know, 35-year-old gamer. But it's actually the complete opposite. Yeah, it, it's, it is kind of funny. Honestly, this game looks like a lot of fun. But I don't want to buy it on the Switch. <laughs> Dude, what? I just I just want the games that like could to run better. So if it's not gonna it is exclusive to the title, so I might end up getting it. Yeah. But like I'm just like, oh I wish it was on PC. You know what I mean? Like anything that's not made by Nintendo themselves. Yeah. I'm just like, oh I wish it was on PC. Like even the upcoming DMC five special edition, yeah, it's not coming to PC. Right. Which is crazy to me, you know? Yeah, not yet. I mean, they, I feel like that's an inevitability, right? They said they said there's no plans for it right now, which is Wow. Which, you know, I think that means that there'll be plans for it later. But uh it's that's crazy to me, you know? But th- but this game looks like it runs really well. Like everything in the trailer that I saw was really smooth and solid. Mm. And I mean, all right, again, like I think this is the the biggest problem here is that I could see myself playing this with a group of friends or my cousin portably, which is how, why this the game this series has been so big on handhelds. And again, you're not really the handheld guy. So yeah. for you, it's kind of like, well, the main thing that makes it appealing on this platform is not for me. So I'd rather just have it on PC. Yeah. So gotcha. kind of my perspective. I don't, I don't think the game, I actually think the game looks fun, you know? Yeah. The, the, I think, the stick I mean, bug I, thing looks yeah. really, really cool. The movement stuff is what makes it look cool to me because I, I just never liked the movement in the original games. Um, and but yeah, the so they, dog. And the dog, yeah. So um, they also showed Monster Hunter Stories. Do you know about the original? It's it's a spinoff that was on the 3DS, and it was made as like an adventure-style game with yeah. more of a story. So for those who haven't played the Monster Hunter series at all, or even have heard of it at all, like there's a story, but like not really. It's not the core to the experience. Right, it's just mostly less like an excuse to have this like, and the world that they do build there is very extensive. You know, there's a lot of like environmental facts. You know, like they do like put a lot of effort into like the uh, the biology and like nature side of like these monsters. Right, so I'm not trying to downplay that, but in terms of actual narrative, there's not a lot going on there. You know, it's not the appeal. And I think that's what they were trying to rectify with Monster Hunter stories, right? And this, correct me if I'm wrong, the first one was like a a PSP game or a Vita game? No, it was a, it was a 3DS exclusive. Oh, and really? It came with an Amiibo and everything, yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah. yeah. This is a spinoff, confirmed spinoff, because yeah. <laughs> it's a different genre completely that started on the 3DS. Technically, and, right? Yeah. It's, it's technically... Monster Hunter is an action RPG, and this is an RPG. So, uh, so semantics. Yeah, whatever. So, <laughs> the thing that I want to say about that was that it, the anime faces are not cool, but the aesthetic is like cel shaded, so it is cool. 
Yeah, it's like this quasi anime but not anime thing. Yeah, because I'm like the monsters look. I think they look better in the sun shaded style. Like this, like from the trailer, I'm like, Dad, that looks cool, man. Like I yeah, was like, Rockfellows looks awesome in the yeah, trailer. Yeah, like this, like like all like the the monsters are flying around. I was like, that looks cool. I think that it's like I want to play that, but like I then I start seeing them talk, and I'm like, Why are you guys still talking, <laughs> <laughs> dude? So, um. So yeah, like this is this is a big deal. Like we've been talking about how the partner directs have kind of have not had these big announcements, but like this is okay. My, this game is going to be huge, first of all, right? Monster Hunter Rise is going to be huge. Monster Hunter Stories looks really great, and the fact that such a big franchise is now like you're getting two Switch exclusives in the next year in the by by the by the I, well the the first one's coming out within the next first three months. Like this is March 26th, so you're getting two big Switch exclusives. Dude, this game, like, this is a really big, um, this is a big, like, win for, like, Nintendo on the Switch in general. Yeah. And it's it, it works, it's also a franchise that really works well for the Switch. Yeah. So I, I personally think, like, given this announcement, they sold me on, the, um, this is the first Monster Hunter, like, I texted my cousin when I saw this, and I'm like, all right, man, you've been bothering me about this series for 10 years. I'm, I'm going to jump in with this one. This one looks awesome. This one looks really cool. Yeah. Are you sold? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think how I want to end this episode, though. We're talking about Monster Hunter. I talked about whether we're going to get it or not. I'm probably going to jump in with this ep- with this this rendition of Monster Hunter. It looks like it's finally good enough for me to buy. You're not sold because you're a PC guy, so it takes a lot more to sell you on an, on an exclusive title. I get it. Not making fun of it. I get it. It's almost like uh, I have standards. Uh, I don't think so. It's I almost think, like I demand better from the money that I spend. And you're willing to pick up the scraps. You're like, you know what? This is good enough. And I'm like, you know what? This needs to be a little bit better. I think we need to ask for more because it's my money. I'm the boss. All right? I think I think I would feel the exact same way if I spent over $1,000 on a machine to play games. Okay. But because I didn't. I don't have the entitlement that you have. I think you spent all your stimulus money. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're gonna answer. I'm almost done. 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 And now it's like you're just trying to make sure that you got your money's worth because you know you messed up. So that's how it's like every announcement, you're like, oh, it's not coming to PC. So I basically just burnt my stimulus check. Okay, so let, let, let's, let's do this, right? My COVID bucks. I burnt my COVID bucks. Okay, let's do this, right? You spent $1,000 on your computer, on your little MacBook Pro, right? Because I'm and a I pro. Mean, I mean little. Because I'm a Cause, pro. Because there's a lot of little things about you, all right? Steve, Steve Jobs said I'm a pro. You know? So I'm You're a, a compact package. <laughs> <laughs> You're an idiot, man. Thank you, guys. See you next week. Hope you enjoy the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Super Glentendo. You can follow R Hungry at MF underscore R Hungry. And you can find his great work on YouTube at youtube.com slash R Hungry. 
The Glintendo Podcast is a weekly Nintendo slash Smash community podcast. Our aim is to have galaxy brain conversations on all things Nintendo. If you like the show, please consider becoming a friendo and supporting at patreon.com slash Glintendo. Friendos get early access to the show each Friday. The show then becomes available to all for free the following Monday on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts and Spotify right now and you like the show, give it a good review. It helps support a lot more than you might think. This show is brought to you by our amazing producers, Naomi Eduardo and the legendary Riz. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it if you're just a listener. I appreciate it even more if you're a friendo and want to support the show on Patreon. And I appreciate just existing on a day-to-day level without anyone's attention at all. I went to the park earlier. The trees, the breeze, the bees. It was sick.